Hi guys, Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast with Sean Siegel. We are closing in on 200 episodes and it's competition time, but more on that in just a moment. I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, as always, you can save yourself 10% off a road of his NFL pass. All you need to do is enter that code RVRadio2021 at checkout on the website or go to roadofhis.com forward slash podcast for more information. You can get all the access to all of the great tools on the site, all of the content. Get yourself ready to win your fantasy championships this upcoming season. I mentioned competition time. Well, now here's the news. 200 episodes coming up here for myself and Sean. We're giving away some Rotoviz subscriptions. It's super simple to enter. Just drop a five-star review for Rotoviz Overtime on your favorite podcast app for a chance to win. The top prize is a three-month subscription and an appearance on a future Rotoviz Overtime podcast to get a talk with myself and Sean. Already have a Rotoviz subscription? Thank you for that. But don't worry, if you win, we'll add it on to your current subscription. So what are you waiting for? Drop that review today for the Road of His Overtime podcast. And of course, when you're there, drop a rating for today's show as well that you're listening along to. Thanks as always for being a loyal podcast listener on Road of His Radio. Enjoy the show. on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire on the Rotoviz Radio Network. Not only are we another week closer to the NFL Draft, we are in NFL Draft Week. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're listening to us on NFL Draft Day. NFL Draft Day, quick turnaround here, and we had our last week for the first round. And so today we're continuing that on to round two and also doing a little quarterback talk, talking talking the quarterbacks of the 2020 and 2021 classes. Joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Senio. How are we doing tonight, Dan? Uh, unfortunately, I used to have a T-shirt that said that, and then I realized how big of a loser it made me look like. So I, I went ahead and threw it away. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited. It's it's draft week. We always look forward to this. It gets all ramped up. We get three days of excitement. And then we go right back to doing absolutely nothing for a couple of months until the actual season gets here. So this um, this is an exciting time for us. We've got we've got a lot to to dive into today. An awesome second round to look at in the kind of the best of the rookies and sophomores ranking and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh best of quarterbacks as well for sure all right so let's get into the show last week you had the first pick dan i believe i don't know no wait i had the first pick wait crap we messed that up then nope <laughs> well we're, we're still right because you would be at 13 all right yeah, yeah so i had the first pick last week and i had first pick today but we alternated back and forth on our picks, and so the first 12 picks of our rookie mock matrix, only running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, no quarterbacks. We'll talk about those separately to end the show today. So we have our order of, it was one, C.D. Lamb, two, Justin Jefferson, three, Jonathan Taylor, four, DeAndre Swift, five, 
Jamar Chase, six, T. Higgins, seven, Najee Harris, seven, Cam Akers, eight, Kyle Pitts, nine, Antonio Gibson, ten, Charles Etienne, and 11, Dobbins. I, I, did, I missed a number there. You, you doubled um, up on seven, I believe. There we go. Doubled up on seven. Um, one recap based on last week. So I selected Najee Harris before Travis Etienne, and we talked about how that is 90% 90% because of the fact that he has the draft capital floor. Almost all of the mocks that have come out in the last seven days have actually had ETN as RB1 off the board. So does does that it, – it does for me. Does it flip where he would have gone in this draft for you, ETN maybe going uh, seven and Harris dropping it down to like 11? So I, I think if, if what happens is ETN is the first running back off the board – they essentially go in like a back-to-back or within like five picks of one another type scenario. And if that's the case, I, I think they'll just end up being the same. I, I think Najee's got more upside, but with ETN, I, I, I see a lot of things that I loved when evaluating Alvin Kamara. So I have kind of a soft spot for, for Travis ETN there. I, I do think there's more upside with Najee Harris. So unless Harris slides a, a large amount, I think I think he's still going to be my RB1. I'll be really curious, uh, and we're drafting him here in the next 12 picks, but I'll be really curious to see where Javante Williams goes and if he if he kind of pushes maybe those two in, in that same general you know 10 or 12 pick range. All right, let's get into the show. So with the 13th pick in the Rookie Mock Matrix. The rookie Mock Matrix. <laughs> 13th pick of the rookie mock matrix. I'm going to take a guy who many people were, were probably screaming in our DM saying, why did he not get picked on day one or on round one? And it's one Brandon Ayuk, first round pick of last year and very solid rookie performer in year one. And he is possibly, you know, becoming in an offense that is going to be quite good. You have Kyle Shanahan and you have the implementation of a young quarterback, likely Mac Jones, which we can talk about a little bit later. But the upside is certainly there with Brandon Ayuk in a young offense. And he had a you know nice, solid rookie season. So he's the type of guy that I think that he, he might have a lower ceiling overall than some of the guys that are taken after him. But I think his floor is basically like an NFL, or NFL and fantasy wide receiver too over the next several years. Yeah, I'm pretty much right on board with you there. He had the type of rookie season that was good, but it, it kind of – if, in my opinion, alluded to what will be a massive sophomore breakout. Uh, he did enough with some pretty bad quarterback play, and he looked really special at times doing it. That, to me, just kind of screams sophomore breakout. So uh, I'll look for him to honestly make a big leap. I, I think this time next year, he'll be going in that top probably eight. Obviously, he's not too far off of that now, but there's just so much depth in front of him. It, it's hard to honestly have put him maybe a ahead of a couple of the, of the running backs. I had thought about it last week, taking him uh, I think as early as eight right around that cam Akers spot. So uh, I think with the addition of what should be a competent quarterback in a Shanahan offense as the wide receiver one alongside Debo Samuel, you still have George Kittle, which, you know, he's going to lose uh, potentially a, a, a lion's share of, of the targets uh, potentially to Kittle. So he may end up being the the B option in this offense, but I, I do think all three of those guys are going to pull 
a relatively similar number and the offense is just it's so well run that uh unless you have you know nick mullins under center again you know we we should see a pretty big step forward even if it is a quarterback because whoever they're getting at three is going to be it's going to be better than what we've seen the last couple of years from the 49ers quarterbacks and of course, going back to the, our, our our favorite, the range of outcomes app for Brandon Ayuk after his preseason, his 2020 matches for production are 2015 Amari Cooper, 2014 Sammy Watkins, 2019 Michael Gallup, 2011 Bruce Yarvin. So some nice company there with guys that have some huge upside, and I think Ayuk shares that. And I think that from a dynasty perspective, he's pretty much being valued as a one A one B with Debo. But I do think that. Be- Becoming the one and making Debo a two is certainly within the range of outcomes. Yeah, I, I think, I like I said, I think they're all going to be pretty similar for from a target share perspective. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the breakdown, but we do know that they're going to be pretty efficient with the targets that they that they get, just because the offense and the specific plays will be designed to get them what they need to get. All right, let's go on to our next pick. So at 14, um, I would have liked to get Brandon Ayuk. I knew he would be going at 13. So I went ahead and went with the uh, the hometown pick, Rashad Bateman. I think he has a case to be the the number one wide receiver in this class. Obviously, what we saw from Jamar Chase um, as as a youngin was was truly special. What we've seen from Rashad Bateman pretty consistently has been pretty much the same thing. Now the the option to sit out and in the whole covid business that's that is what it is I, I mean you can you can dock it a little bit for that but uh, i see a special player when on the field he dominated the big 10 and it, it'll be it'll be curious to see where he lands i would kind of put him in that 20 to 30 range as far as draft picks go i think we'll end up seeing devonta smith jalen waddle uh and possibly even like rondale moore something weird like Darius Tony or, or whoever going too early and Bateman may be sliding a little bit because of the year off. So uh, we could, we could see a, uh, a Calvin Ridley type uh, start to, to his career. Obviously he's, he's coming into the NFL significantly younger than Calvin Ridley did, but I don't think that's out of the range of outcomes. Yeah. And one of his concerns was the fact that he, he did weigh in a little bit lighter some of that can be attributed to uh, him having COVID during the season. You know, a lot of players uh, have reported making it more difficult to come back from a weight perspective. Um, looking at his box score scout, um, putting him at 200 pounds, which is around where he's at right now. Uh, draft pick 24, 439, 40. We got comparables of DJ Moore, Stephen Hill, Corey Coleman, Calvin Ridley. So a little bit up, a little bit of down. Um, but for me, I, I think this is a hair early. There's some guys that over the next few picks that I would I would prefer over Bateman, but I think he's solid. I, I think that he is a similar tier prospect that we saw from Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson this time last year. Obviously, Justin Jefferson outperformed his profile, but I think Bateman kind of belongs in that like 18 to 25 range. Yeah, and that's definitely fair. I think I think it's more of mean maybe not seeing as much of all of the other guys and being very familiar with Rashad Baton because I am able to watch him or was able to watch him essentially every Saturday and, and got to see him do a lot with 
a little. <laughs> he didn't didn't have a lot at the quarterback position. Uh, so he, he looked special out there. Like I said, he, he did very well against the big 10, which is always really strong opponents, especially when you're considering the the defensive backs, when you're looking at the likes of Michigan state, uh, Ohio, Ohio state, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, he's to me, I think we can see that, that Justin Jefferson type of, of outcome when you're looking at where he's going to be taken in rookie drafts. And what he's able to do, obviously, landing spot is almost everything uh, because I, I don't think he's as talented, but I do think that he can I do think he can make that leap. And I, I think he is he's a special player. Next, we'll go on to my next pick, which is Jerry Judy is the third pick in the second round of this draft. Jerry Judy uh, was, you know, number one or number two wide receiver in last year's class and had to deal with the likes of Drew Locke and Drew Locke injuries in 2020. It appears that I feel like there is probably less than less than 10% chance the Broncos leave the first round without a quarterback. Like the only scenario where the Broncos leave the first round without a quarterback is if all five are gone by eight. And what are the chances five quarterbacks are going in the first eight picks? Um it's possible. It's definitely within the range of outcomes, but I think that the Broncos, I, I think if that happens, it might be because the Broncos trade up to seven to get ahead of the Panthers. Um, so I, I think that the Broncos are going to come over with the quarterback. It's going to improve Jerry Judy's situation and we'll be able to see, um, you know, some, some of what we were expecting last year. Uh, I've seen several like PFF type stats where Judy had like some of the, like the highest, rate of like uncatchable balls in the NFL last year. So if you could just give him, you know, a reasonable rate of catchable balls, I'm sure he's going to be a stud, you know, where's he to at least. Yeah. I, and I do think that's where he slots in better is, is as a true wide receiver too. You know, we, we talked about how immaculate his route running is. Uh, obviously he too is, is a little undersized, but he's, he's so good with his routes and he's, he's able to separate so easily, I feel like inside makes a lot more sense for him to just kind of get clean looks off the line, even though he doesn't really need that because he's he is able to separate. Uh, I just feel like his he's going to be able to do more from that spot, and I, I think Cortland Sutton is still the alpha there. Obviously, having no offense, um, you know that that's a big thing too. So one of those three guys is going to end up being the third option, uh, and it's very possible that that's Jerry Judy, even though they did spend the you know the the draft capital on him they spent it on Noah Fant they spent it on Cortland Sutton they're they're building weapons and and Denver is one of those teams that kind of has sort of played this right where they went through that rebuild phase to continue to add talent you know on the outsides and waited at quarterback you know they have Drew Locke but they didn't spend a lot to get him they went through the Brock Osweiler phase and they they went through all of this and now they find their, themselves in a in a pretty good spot you know running backs a little bit thin but your pass catchers are pretty darn good and there's a chance you're walking away with a Trey Lance. Maybe the Mac Jones hype at three is all just smoke and mirrors and he's there for them. Maybe they fall in love with the Kyle Trask for some odd reason and and make a terrible pick there. But we're, I I would say we're definitely going to see a quarterback if not in the first, I would say definitely in the second, but I think all of those things are good for Jerry Judy any change at quarterback because I, I drew lock to me isn't the answer. He's probably a fine bridge quarterback for a few games if need be. But one of these guys, I think will be 
the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, or maybe they go trade for someone like Gardner Minshew. Yeah, there are some interesting quarterback storylines into the weekend, especially because I think this class is so there's such a huge drop off after QB five that teams are going to be like, oh Minshew, or oh you know Teddy. the other quarterback, that, Teddy, that's the other one, yeah, Teddy or Teddy or Minshew getting traded after the QB five goes off the board. Um, now let's go to our next pick. What do you got? Next, uh, I'm going to go Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, I think this again, just kind of like we chased in rookie drafts, is essentially the nature of the offense the offense is so good and so explosive that even with his mediocreness he's putting up points he he did i i would say more than enough as a rookie to probably have been picked a little bit earlier here but i don't think i can say that he looked good doing it and and that's my issue yes he is going to be the rb1 in this offense but we're just hoping for big quality touches and that's going to be really hard to find red zone looks when you have Travis Kelsey, when you have Tyreek Hill, when you have McCole Hardman. Yes, they spent the draft capital on Clyde Edwards Alaire, but I, I didn't, I don't think he's still very good. I, I think this is the Kansas city running back with a name doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I do feel like his floor is much lower than this pick, but his ceiling is also higher in the fact that he's Definitely. the Kansas City Chiefs running back. So this is where he belongs because his floor is much lower, but his ceiling is much higher. So that, that's kind of how, how it works with these projections here. But I, I he's not a guy that I'd be excited to have on my roster um, just because he's not that talented. Um, and it's just, you know... Honestly, the most frustrating part of having C.E.J. on your roster is just knowing like all the guys that you could have had instead of him. Um, yeah, th- this to me is kind of the, I don't want to call it the fall line, but I-, I feel like this is kind of where they really start to get even more jumbled. Like these first few, uh, I thought, you know, Ayuk to me was the clear outlier. Uh, he probably should have been a first round pick, but even here with CEH, I mean, he had 800 yards last year. He caught 36 balls. Like, that's a pretty darn good rookie season. He was just underwhelming doing it. It was like, oh, yeah, all right. The I guess the yards add up. All right. Next one we've got is Ron Dale Moore. I will preface this by saying if this was a draft where I could trade down or that I'm basically in my mind, Ron Dale is the best player available on the board. I don't think that this is going to be where his value is at today. I don't think it's where, this is where his value is going to be at on Sunday, outside of like maybe like landing in Green Bay in the second round. Like There's going to be guys drafted after Rondell that are going to be valued ahead of him in Dynasty. I think at the end of his rookie season, he is going to be valued well above everyone drafted below him in this draft. I think that the value isn't going to be now. The value is going to be later after he shows how electric he is as a pass catcher and just as a weapon in an NFL offense. Yeah, I mean, the what are the range of outcomes? You're either Brandon Cooks or you're KJ Hamler. Like, it's, I want to think that Rondale Moore is going to be special, but I also didn't think he was like 5'6 or whatever he actually measured in at. That was a scary size. I thought he was like 5'9, maybe 5'10. He plays bigger. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, obviously, he jumped out of the building, which, which helps. He's, fast he ran in the four twos but uh, there's just something about the tiny receivers that 
always has me going the other direction. And, and, you know, we've been proven wrong before, but in most cases it's the outlier rather than just the rule, you know, it, just because they're small and, you know, they, they run fast and do things. And Deshaun Jackson did it one time. Uh, that doesn't mean that Rondale Moore is going to do it. Now, I think Rondale Moore is way more talented than KJ Hamler, who I mentioned earlier. It's it's just always kind of one of those things where it's a big risk-reward play. Uh, there's there's not much floor there, in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely a risky proposition, but I, I think he legitimately has, you know, Brandon Cook's type ability, and in which case, you know, he, he's worth this pick. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and also, looking at the uh, Sim score app, um, comparables, you mentioned MKJ Hamler, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Wallace, DJ Chark, Brandon Cooks. So um, he is what what we think he is from a projection standpoint. And I will take the upside of a Jackson or a Mike Wallace or, or a Brandon Cooks with the Rondell Moore pick. So what do you got next? Next, uh, I'm going to go with what the entire community seems to be fully split on. And that's going to be Devonta Smith. Uh, tr- obviously, truly special. He has all of the talent in the world. He made all of college football look foolish. He made the SEC look like it was a, a JV team. Uh, you can't say enough about how actually good he is. The complaint is that he weighs like 17 pounds. And I'm afraid he's going to snap in half. I'm not saying he's injury prone. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, he's he's not tall enough to do it. Obviously, that's not the problem. I think he is frail. He's small. This that is a genuine gripe. I don't I'm not claiming he's he's injured and always has been injured and will continue to be injured. But when you don't get touched in college because you're playing against players that aren't at the same level and you just blow them out of the water day in and day out because you're faster, you're better, you're more talented, whatever. When you're coming up against an all-pro safety and he knocks your block off and you weigh 160 pounds, it's probably not going to go well. That's that's my one gripe is his weight, but there's so much upside and he is so freaking talented that he is going to end up being one of either the biggest steals ever or the biggest busts ever. There is not going to be a middle ground here. Yeah, I'm with you on the wide variance on Devonta Smith's outcomes. Um, I do think it's good for his sake that he's no longer really being, cons- I think he's no longer being considered in that like top seven, top eight, top nine, and that Waddle has kind of taken over those rumors because I feel like that's just way too high of expectations for him. I think that his ceiling realistically is an NFL wide receiver too. And are you really drafting an NFL wide receiver too with the eighth pick in the draft? Hopefully not. Like you, you know, once you get into like the early teens, that's maybe where you're okay saying, okay, this guy's a solid wire receiver too. But yeah, Smith, he's solid, and he could very well prove us to be idiots. Like this guy should have been like number four overall pick in this draft. <laughs> but um, I, I think this is where he belongs for now. All right, let's go on to the next selection, and it is one guy who I have mixed feelings on. But I think this is where he belongs, and it is one Javante Williams. Javante Williams, there is a clear top two in, in Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, but there's also a clear RB three in terms of you know most like betting markets and fantasy value and all those things, uh, because nobody is coming close to Javante Williams as the top as a top three running back at this 
stages. Uh, this is honestly a, a very bad rookie class. Um, when when Javante Williams is your clear RB3 and there's not much after him, and the wide receiver class is okay um, to the point at this point, but with Williams, I'm buying the possibility of having a nice landing spot in the top 50 or so picks, putting him in a, a, a space where he's an RB1, and that's conducive to fantasy points in year one. Yeah, I think as of now, as of today, he's he's probably locked in as your RB3 in this class. I have, uh, I guess it's a little bit more than a suspicion that and you're you're going to give me the old Nathan scoff at this one. But Trey Sermon is, in my opinion, going to be what ends up being the RB3 in this class, probably after year one. I think... No, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually fine with that. I, I just don't think the NFL likes Sermon as much as we do. I, I think it's just going to take one team, like it does with most players, to fall in love with him. I think he has all of the traits that Joe Mixon had. I, I think very, very similar type players, um, obviously both bred uh, Oklahoma running back. So I might be a little bit biased there too, but um, yeah, I think the Javante Williams thing is it's almost just a pick out of necessity. I just feel like he fits here. Uh, this is probably the break spot where we would see him in just the rookie drafts and he fits in because he's more than likely going to be going to either a really RB needy team or a good team. Uh, There's not going to be one of those just best player available type picks I think he he's got potential to go in like a, a half round realm of where Najee Harris and Travis Etienne go because again it just takes one team to to like a player and anybody looking for extra running back depth that doesn't really understand how their whole running back thing works uh, may may end up taking him earlier than he should be going but we'll we'll kind of wait and see on that one I, I don't think he's bad but I, I don't I think he's going to be one of those. RB one A RB one B committee type scenarios where where he'll fit best. All right, let's keep on going. We got a few more before we can talk our quarterbacks. So let's let's get through these quick then. Okay, next spot. Um, I think another obvious one here. I'm gonna go Jalen Waddle. Um, we saw we saw Devonta Smith go a couple picks ago, and we saw Waddle kind of dominate in that offense as well, and. You know, he, he's going to probably be a top 15, 16, 17 pick, give or take. Could be earlier than that even. You know, we're, we're going to see Jamar Chase go early. I think someone's going to reach on Devonta Smith, and I think they're going to reach on Jalen Waddle. Uh, and that could move him up some boards. We could see him going earlier than maybe we would have him projected. But, you know, it, that's a it's a Jerry Judy. It's it's a, a Hollywood Brown to me. I think I think that's probably where we'll end up viewing Jalen Waddle. From a landing spot agnostic point of view, let's let's say Jalen Waddle goes like a seven, and Smith goes twelve. Do you then flip these that then Waddle is above Smith? I think so. Yeah, I, I think they're close enough. Uh, I, I think I like Waddle more as your as your. I, I feel like he generally fits an NFL offense better than someone super undersized like Devonta Smith is. All right, let's go on to the next one. We have a rookie sensation, uh, touchdown maker. Chase Claypool. Um, some were hoping uh, for Juju Smith-Schuster to walk and give Chase Claypool an opportunity to be a wide receiver one, maybe wide receiver two in an offense. It seems like he has at least another year of being the third fiddle behind Deontay Johnson and and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, but I think he's still very much the red zone weapon. I think that, uh, he is the Eric Ebron of a couple of years ago. 
Um, he is the red zone guy for that offense. And I think he still has some decent long-term upside to where he's, you know, top two wide receiver. We've talked about how we don't necessarily even love the Steelers as a landing spot for running backs or anybody at this at this stage. But I think Claypool's fine. I think that outside of, like, their offense completely eroding with a new quarterback or with bad <laughs> old Big Ben, then I, I think Claypool is, is set up to be, you know, a top, top 30 wide receiver over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that aside from the already stacked wide receiver core there. But we saw plenty from Claypool as a rookie. Uh, obviously, he has the big playability plus the massive red zone upside, which, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be a tight end or a wide receiver originally when he came out. Obviously, wide receiver has stuck and he has looked pretty good doing it. Um, range of outcomes, you know, there's something as, as poor as Jordan Matthews or something great like Keenan Allen or Des Bryant. So, um, I, I do think it's he's a, a fantastic best ball asset because I do I do see him as a boom or bust type. Um, if we get a little more consistency out of him here in 2021, I, I think we could see him moving up the board pretty quickly. Yep. All right. Let's go on to our next selection. Who you got? Uh, here I'm going back to the LSU well, and I am going to be selecting Terrace Marshall. You know, we, we got to see Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase both look truly special together. And then we see what Justin Jefferson turns into. We all still kind of think Jamar Chase is going to be that guy. But we also saw Terrace Marshall in that offense look pretty darn good in that Justin Jefferson role. So um, it, it's probably me falling in love with LSU players a little bit too much and, and them making a push for wide receiver university uh, alongside Clemson. But you know he's he's got something got something in him. I, I think um, he could either have a first year like Jalen Rager, or he could have a first year uh, where he truly blows up and he looks something more like Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I, I think that he more so than the other guys like like Bateman and Rondale. I think he is huge landing spot. Like he could have a landing spot where he he blow, like if he goes to Green Bay, huge blow up. If he goes to Baltimore, probably not. Um, and, I think that he's going to – his spot in rookie drafts is going to be heavily landing spot dependent, especially as in most more recent years we've become less landing spot, you know, heavy and like, okay, let's care about the draft capital. I, I truly think that, you know, Terrace Marshall getting picked 25 by the Packers and Terrace Marshall getting picked 26 by the, by the Ravens is like two completely different like valuations. Yeah, him going to the Ravens would probably be a full avoid. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's that's where we don't want to see players going. So, uh, yeah, his which which I will be I will be buying. the Ravens are taking a wide receiver in the first round. I will be buying that wide receiver because people are just gonna be ridiculous about it. Yeah, and he'll be really cheap to get, which will be will be truly nice. So, uh, there's a a lot of a lot of busts on his box score scout. Uh, but you do have a couple of good players mixed into his box score scout and your Chris Godwins, your Randall Cobbs, DJ Shark. But what, then they're what, scary. What, what, draft, what draft pick did you put in? Uh, I put in 30. Okay, that's fair. All right, let's go on to our next pick. I'm going back to the 2020 well, and it is one LaVisca Chenault. Uh, LaVisca Chenault was one of you know the most exciting wide receivers in the 2020 class. And, you know, he showed some flashes in year one, 58 catches, 600 uh, receiving yards, as well as 91 yards on the ground. I think that the biggest reason why LaVisca wasn't taken before this 
sadly, is Marvin Jones. Like, in a Marvin, if Marvin Jones doesn't exist, you're looking at DJ Chark, Trevor Lawrence, and LaVisca Chanel as the future. And to an, exact, to, to an extent, they're still the future. But the short-term, you know, floor on LaVisca is very low with the fact that he's an, an NFL wide receiver three on a team that has a rookie quarterback. So um, I, I think that his upside, upside is still high, but his short-term floor is definitely lower. Yeah, I think regardless of the rookie quarterback coming in, I think all of those guys' floor uh, takes a little bit of a hit. And there was a time where LaVisca Chenault was the wide receiver one in his class. We, you know, everybody loved LaVisca Chenault at one point um, and then just kind of slowly went away. And it's not like he completely fell off. I mean, he was still drafted, I think, what, 44th or 45th, something like that. Um, that's massive. That's great draft capital. And obviously they used him. He had something like 80 targets, like you mentioned, 600 yards, a few touchdowns here and there. But uh, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he fits perfectly with alongside DJ Chark. I think those two are perfect. Obviously you had another outside guy like Marvin Jones. Um, they're just trying to get as many weapons there for, for Trevor Lawrence to, to start his career with actual humans to throw to instead of going the old Sam Darnold route and just getting guys that, that used to work at Best Buy. All right, let's wrap up our two rare rookie mock matrix with our prospect. Well, I'm staying in Jacksonville, and I needed to put a little bit of respect on his name, even though there's probably a few guys that may deserve this spot. I think we have to go with James Robinson. What he did as a rookie, kind of out of nowhere, actually completely out of nowhere, was... I think enough to earn him the respect of being in this in this top 24. We still maybe not think he's the the most talented player in the universe, but he does just enough and and produces pretty darn well to to be here. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that this pick could be very bad or very good depending on what yeah. happens the first two days of the draft. Um, I, I think that it, there's probably a very slim chance the Jaguars exit day two of the draft without a running back. But if they do, if, if they make it to day three and that and they end up you know investing like a fourth or fifth round pick in a running back, that's a huge victory for Robinson um, managers. Um, I don't see that happening, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. We're going to do a quick ranking rundown. So we've been doing a, a mock of sorts. And for this one, it's not going to be a mock. It's more so it should be, this is Dan and I's brain putting together rookie rankings from 2020 and 2021 class combined. And we'll just give a little short commentary on each as we go through. Number one, someone who is probably arguably should be the QB2 in all of Dynasty. I probably have him three or four, but it is one, Justin Herbert as the QB1 between these two classes. Dan, is there any way this wasn't the case after his uh, historic rookie season? Well, I think anyone that's still in love with Trevor Lawrence and thinks Trevor Lawrence is the best thing since Peyton Manning, potentially the best prospect ever at the quarterback position, uh, would argue that. But I think seeing Herbert do it and seeing how he did it, I I think he locks up this top spot for me. As intrigued as I am by Trevor Lawrence and as good as I do think he's going to be, there is still a, a, a 1% chance that he's a, not very good, uh, but a larger percentage chance that maybe he just ends up being a good quarterback and not an elite quarterback. And I see an elite quarterback in Justin Herbert. Me too. And he's got the weapons around him, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and, and the such. So yeah, I, I think that he has the highest floor among this group and one of the higher ceilings among the group. Next we have number two, 
Trevor Lawrence. Um, like you said, greatest quarterback against Luck, greatest quarterback since Peyton Manning, whatever it may be. Um, and he's going to an offense we've talked about. It. James Robinson, LaVisca Chanel, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, probably a, a Pat, Pratt, Pratt Fryermuth. <laughs> probably Pat Fryermuth or, or some other tight end later on in the draft. So there are ways for Trevor Lawrence to blow up and have a Patrick Mahomes type ascension. Um, and so it's one of those things like we don't have to tell you why Trevor Lawrence is good. He's good and he's worth the number two selection here or number two. Yeah. Here. And we have to praise the Jaguars for, for spending the time and, and the money on, on collecting lots of assets, putting themselves in this position to not only get this best prospect, but also give him the opportunity to be able to thrive. We don't always see that. That's, that's not always the case and now we're going to be lucky enough to see Trevor Lawrence with some other good weapons. Obviously, having uh, having you know Justin Ross and, and T. Higgins and all of the other Clemson wide receivers and pass catchers uh, that that helps a lot. But you, you're getting real NFL players here, and uh, he gets them day one. And we'll go on to number three. I think this one was a bit closer due to some injury concerns. But number three is Joe. Burrow, Joe Burrow, speaking of offenses being built around him, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and then no matter what happens, at number five, the Bengals are helping Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, or Panay Sewell. Um, if it ends up being Rashawn Slater, I'm sure he's fine too, but it seems like it's going to be one of the three we've talked about for the Dolphins and the Bengals all draft season long. So Burrow's going to get an upgrade this, you know, this weekend, and he is, you know, one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL today. Yeah, it's hard to deny that. Like you mentioned, all the talent. Um, the the concern is is a knee, which we know now is is not the the process it once was, and it doesn't take a year anymore. And it's also a knee. It's not his throwing shoulder. If this was his throwing shoulder, it'd be a completely different thing. If this was a a, a head injury, it would be a completely different thing. We're talking about a knee. Slap a brace on that puppy. We'll be good to go. With all those weapons, you won't need to do a whole lot. And unlike some other guys on this list, not to say that Joe Burrow is immobile, but like Joe Burrow does not use his legs as much as Herbert, as much as right. Lawrence, as much as any of the guys, you know, below him. He's, he's a true a pocket guy. Yeah, he, he's the most pocket passer, I guess, along with Tua as well. Tua is not a runner either. Um, but next on the list, we have Justin Fields. Um, he's the guy who you and I think should go to the Jets at two. But that's not going to happen, and probably not going to happen. Where, honestly, if he goes, if he goes to the Niners at three, I think there's a legitimate argument for him to go above Fields in this, you know, ranking slash mock draft type thing. That doesn't seem likely at this stage, but he's going to go in the top seven, top eight: Detroit, Denver, Carolina. If he goes to Denver, I think that's a great landing spot with Noah Fant and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Cortland Sutton, obviously. So um, th- there's a number of ways for Fields to come out ahead. The Lions is probably the one where it's like, eh, like this is probably not great. Well, I mean, the, the right now the question is, does he have a mini slide like Tua and slide to five? Does he have a slide and slide to 12 like Deshaun Watson did? Or does he free fall and go Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, I think all of those are somehow in the realm of possibilities for outcomes here. 
we we've seen so much talk. We see idiots like Chris Sims. Pardon me, Chris, if you're listening. But good lord, delete that before it keeps getting retweeted. We've seen guys like Chris Sims put put Fields at 32 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I can only assume he started there and then worked backwards. So uh, you know, I, I do think I, obviously he's not going to go ahead of of Lawrence. I think he's very much in play at two. I think he is the pick at three, and we continue to get smoke and mirrors. But beyond that, there's a chance he slides. I don't know how, because he is all of the world's better than all of the other quarterbacks that are are uh, projected to go ahead of him. But here we are. Here we sit, <laughs> and we don't make these decisions. We see what we see. They see what they see. But yeah, Fields very quickly could could be ahead of Burrow uh, and be and push Lawrence for the second spot in this class. And next we have Tua Tagovailoa. Um, like with Burrow, the Dolphins are in a position to make Tua better, to make the Dolphins' offense better with a weapon or offensive line help. And so, you know, they're going to pretty much out of this whole entire list, and other than. I would say Hurts. Tua and Hurts on this list have the lowest floors. They have the possibility of losing their jobs in 2022. Like, I think they, they will probably have their jobs for 2021, but they don't have job security past that. Um, feel, uh, her, you know, Tua because of his poor rookie season play and Hurts because he was a second-round pick. So, Tua, I, I, I still like him. I still think he's one of the better prospect profiles we've seen recently. Um, and if the Dolphins just put, put him in position to, you know, to play well – then things come out on top from Vinny's perspective. Yeah, and honestly, last year, just because of what we did get to see at Alabama, I don't think Tua was 100% last year still. Uh, and that that could be a negative, but we can also view it as a positive. You know, he's, he's got a full a full offseason where he can focus on truly getting healthy. My, my one uh, unfortunate fear, potentially, is that he is always playing hurt like Russell Wilson. That, that, I think, is, again, something that we don't necessarily want to see. We'd love to see the upside of Russell Wilson in Tua Tagovailoa, but I think I think he may push it, and, and the injury bug may be a real thing. All right, let's go to the next one. We've got Trey Lance, who I feel like he's probably, you know, not, not a feeling. It's being reported that if it's not Mac Jones at three to the Niners, then it's Trey Lance, and that – is very nice for fantasy Trey Lance with one uh, with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, George Kittle. That'd be very attractive. But also Trey Lance and the cat candidate for Denver. So you know th- these quarterbacks after Lawrence and Wilson, you're basically hoping for Niners, and then if no Niners, then Denver. If no Denver, then Carolina, and if no Carolina, then trade up or Detroit. <laughs> yeah, and. You know, I don't, you know, some people might view it as a a bad thing, but I think Trey Lance is probably going to be one of the closer things that we've seen to Cam Newton. Uh, I think Trey Lance probably has a better arm and maybe he's just a little bit less athletic, but uh, I think, I think that's a very real, real possibility. Um, Obviously Cam was really special. He's a a freak of a human being, but Trey, Trey Lance is no slouch. You know, he's got a massive arm, um, not always the best decision-making, but He's a dual threat guy, and, and that's what we really need to have in fantasy these days. If you're if you're running, if your quarterback isn't running, you're doing something wrong. 
For sure. All right. Uh, speaking of running, uh, let's go to let's run towards Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, who I'm sure will be running throughout his rookie season. Yeah, this is, I mean, honestly, it's a scary one for me because the Jets are very bad, obviously adding uh, a couple of wide receivers, and I'm sure they'll add some more in the draft, but really only getting Corey Davis. You still have a huge question mark on offensive line. You don't know what running back you're going to have. You don't have tight end. You don't have an established offense that has been seen in the years past. Uh, obviously this isn't Adam Gase. This isn't an Adam Gase offense anymore. Thank God. Uh, but you, you do have draft capital though to build around. You do. That's, and that's the big thing. We, we need to see them add, you know, a lot of skill position players and we need to hope that they hit at a decent rate, uh, which really hasn't been the strong suit for the jets, uh, or their current GM, Joe Douglas, honestly, doesn't have a, an amazing track record either. Uh, as far as you know, the, the whole scouting and drafting bit goes, but we we will see. This one's kind of a TBD for me, but I think there's enough upside for Wilson where I think he's definitely a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, and you know Mac Jones is probably right there, but uh, I just don't see a lot of upside with Mac Jones. And next we have Jalen Hurts on our rankings. This is a purely upside play. Um, I don't think either of us really see him as a long-term solution in Philadelphia, but he's going to get a chance to show it. And if he plays well in 2021, then he's the long-term solution. And that has a value in Superflex League, especially with his running ability. So um, they, they have Rager, who will hopefully get better. They're probably investing in a wide receiver at 12, maybe a Devonta Smith, maybe a Jalen Waddell. Um, so there's going to be opportunity for uh, Jalen Hurts to succeed in 2021. And that's where we're at. So let's wrap up the show with Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the last of our relevant quarterbacks from these two classes. It's tough because if he goes to San Francisco, his ceiling is like number three on this list. Yeah, I mean, if he if if it is San Francisco and they haven't been feeding us BS this whole time, he's probably right there with Tua for me. He's not ahead of Fields. I, I don't think he's better than Fields in any in any cut of anything um but the san francisco bit is legit you have a shanahan offense with weapons you can't deny that we we've seen absolute garbage quarterbacks perform and i think mac jones is probably a low-end nfl starter but you put that in someone that knows how to run an offense with weapons and you're probably having a fringe qb1 which sounds crazy to say but He's not going to have the rushing output, obviously. He's going to be doing it all with his arm, but he's got the weapons to do it. All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Uh, make sure to uh, rate, subscribe, review, and, you know, do all those things. And we appreciate you. And make sure to enjoy the NFL draft. Um, Justin Fields is going to be a Buccaneer at 32. Thank you, Chris Ems. And uh, any last words yet? <laughs> we, will, uh, we will see you guys next week to have some fun discussions about who went where. Kaboom!